settle your jets. It's as if this morning we're starting at the end. How many of you find it just completely irrational to pick up your favorite book, flip to the end of it and say, oh, that's how it ends, so I'll start now. This morning, we live in such a way that we can start at the beginning by knowing the end. Because Jesus is returning. And we're going to find out this morning that God is patient during this time, so grow peacefully until his return. We'll put all those pieces together as we work our way through the third chapter of 2 Peter. So turn to 2 Peter. It's on page 860 if you need a story Bible. Does anybody need a story Bible this morning? Page 860, point, click, change. Okay. And see how God is patient, so grows, grow peacefully until he returns. So 2 Peter chapter 3, starting in verse 1 on page 860. Peter writes, This is now the second letter that I am writing to you, beloved. In both of them, I'm stirring up your sincere mind by way of reminder that you should remember the predictions of the holy prophets and the commandment of the Lord and Savior through your apostles. Knowing this, first of all, the scoffers will come in the last days with scoffing, following their own sinful desires. They will say, Where's the promise of his coming? For ever since the fathers fell asleep, all things are continuing as they were from the beginning of creation. Verse 5. For they deliberately overlooked this fact, that the heavens existed long ago, and the earth was formed out of water and through water by the word of God. And by that means of this, the world that... Verse 6. And that by means of these, the world that then existed was deluged with water and perished. But by the same... Word, the heavens and earth that now exist are stored up for fire, being kept until the day of judgment and destruction of the ungodly. This morning we look at these first three, first seven verses. Let's see how to apply God's word in the midst of what we're going through now. Reflect with an honest and sincere mind. Look, Peter says, I'm writing you my second letter to remind you. We've called this series The Reminder. He says it over and over again. Remember, remember, remember. How many wives said that to their husbands this week at least 33 times? I know mine did. How many of you said a reminder on your phone this week for something to go off? Who this week marked something on the calendar and says, at this day I have to remember? Peter is writing now. He says, I've written, written you the now the second time. Remember these things. And so this morning, as followers of Jesus, those who claim to follow him, with an honest and sincere mind, remember what you know, whatever that content is. Reflect on what you have studied in God's word and experienced in God's word in real life time. Where is it that God's worked in your life and you've taken what this looks like as black and white and it's come out your hands and feet and you've been like, you look back now and you're like, oh, I remember that. Oh, that's where that happened. Reflect on that. What Peter says, with a sincere mind, reflect, remember that. And also, this isn't just individually at you at home with your Bible app, your devotion time, but also right here where we are. 
Peter is writing to a church. Right? Remember, y'all, this worship gathering come tomorrow morning when something goes sideways, when the trials hit, how you view life. And he said, remember the predictions and the, and the fulfillments of God's work in the Hebrew scriptures. Remember. Okay, as a test, interact with me. We're going to remember God's word. From Genesis to Malachi, give me something God did. He created the earth. Good job. Come on now. What, remember something else God did. Think Charles, Charleston Heston? Were you older people? Come on, Frank. I know you've seen that. Divided the Red Sea. Yeah, what did God do? He made the heavens. Okay. Uh, he had this wayward child, and her name was Israel. How did she go? How did that work out? Not so good. She got a couple big spankings, got split into two, got put in time out in Babylon. Remember? Now, what do we remember about God's faithfulness to his word while working through Israel? He keeps his word. We understand his character. We understand his heart through the Psalms. Remember those things. As you study, as you read through it, as you go through the Psalms, or you go through God's love story to Israel, remember that. Reflect on God's work that he's done in Hebrew scriptures. Now reflect. What are some of the things that Jesus told us to do? I'm jumping now to like the Gospels. Love one another. That's another one. What else did Jesus say go do? Serve. Serve. Love him. Okay, where, Pastor Ryan's not here. He teaches every weekend with Kid Nation. What does it mean to follow God? Love God and love people. Who taught that over and over again? Jesus did. And we say it every single Sunday, Matthew 28, 18 through 20. Make disciples. Okay, so we're remembering. This pop quiz comes as you like, oh, you guys are just a first-time visitor. You guys quiz every, do a Bible quiz every Sunday. No, what I'm getting, trying to get everybody to think is reflect, think about what you've studied, what you've experienced, and then you think, hey, I know that life is pretty terrible right now, but God's character has proven true with wayward people, and he has an incredible way of writing a love story in which he can turn horrible situations to his glory. Now, reflect on 2 Peter. 2 Peter, we started out the definition of faith. What does faith look like? Faith is active. Faith is interactive. Faith is corporate. It works with people. It's productive. And after Peter gives all these explanations of what faith is, and he says this definition of faith gives you entrance into heaven, Jesus' kingdom. Then we studied, hey, God gave us his word as a way of revealing into us through our experiences as we apply God's word that our act of faith puts God's word into action. It's where we've gone from studying it to actually using it, and wow, that's where God worked. Then last week we talked about false teachers. False teachers are coming. God's going to take action. God takes action against the false teachers in a severe way. We learned last week that hell is barely, is just a waiting ground until the final punishment. Whoever punished their kids by calling it hell, right? 
I know you've wanted to spank some kids, like, or you've, they, you've thought that. But imagine that God reserved, hell is just a holding pen until the final judgment against false teachers. But we found out also that God takes action against the false teacher, but he also takes action simultaneously during that time for who? His followers. God mitigates justice in these hard times. He's got a way of working it out against the false teachers and those that are against him at the same time of rescuing the godly. He gave an example, Peter did, of Noah. How bad was the discipline on the earth for the flood? Pretty catastrophic. But at the same time, he rescued Noah and the family and animals. So we reflect on the Hebrew scripture, we reflect on the gospels, and then we zooming right down in on the second Peter. So we got to remember these things and then apply it to know it. Remember the commandments. And also know that mockers are going to come. When you are interacting with your scriptures, you're interacting with your community, you're applying God's word, what for sure is going to happen? You're going to go to work and somebody's going to say, you're a blithering idiot. They're going to mock you for your faith. They'll mock you for what your thinking is, what your actions are, and your message. That's the definition of faith. What you believe, what comes out your mouth, and what comes out your hands and feet. They're going to mock you for that. Why did you do that? Why do you think like that? Why would you say that? And these mockers, these scoffers will come along, and they are here. And one of the things that Peter points out to us this morning is their favorite thing to say. God, what have you done lately? Have anybody thought of that? We're getting ready to celebrate Christmas. How many Christmases have we had since Jesus made his promise to return? It's not that hard of math, really. Huh? That's a lot of, that's a lot of years to be waiting on a promise to come true. If I told you, if we, any of us that are in charge of kids say, just be patient, I'll be back and it was 2017 years later, we would have checked out about year 43. But this is what these mockers will say. Okay, your Jesus said he's coming back. The sun comes up, the sun comes down. Sun comes up, the sun comes down. Look at the way it says in our text. They will say in verse 4, where is the promise of his coming? I ain't seen it. I don't believe it. The world is as the world is. And then Peter answers that. The problem is they deliberately overlook this fact. God spoke creation into existence. They overlook that. It's God's. He rules it. He's in charge. If I make it, I get to own it. In America, we literally love our copyrights. And in the day and age of intellectual copyrights, that is big stuff. We love to own that which we make. If God spoke it, he owns it. He gets to rule over it. They deliberately overlooked that fact, that God spoke creation into existence. They deliberately overlooked this fact that God will use what he created to judge. 
Think of that. How did God judge during the time of Noah? Rain. Hurricane Irma, did anybody think of how powerful God could be if he commanded the wind to do that? It just blows your mind. Cross a rushing stream and see how powerful water is. They deliberately overlooked the fact that God created, he rules, and God uses his creation to judge. And finally, they overlooked this fact that God is storing up his wrath. He is setting it aside for a time. He's just setting it aside a time, and he's storing it up to the end. So how do we look at this? End times are going to happen. The mockers are going to mock you for what you believe, what comes out your mouth, hands, and feet by what you think. And you're going to apply God's word during those attacks. Is it true? Do we remain steadfast when we're following this promise that is 2017 plus years old and it's coming true? We'll move to verse 8. Peter in second chapter, or second Peter, third chapter in verse 8 address is that. Because God is patient towards us. In verse 8, but do not overlook this one fact, beloved, that with the Lord one day is a thousand years and a thousand years is one day. The Lord is not slow to fulfill his promise, as some count slowness, but is patient toward you, not wishing that any should perish, but did you, that all should come to repentance. But the day of the Lord would come like a thief, and then the heavens will pass away with a roar, and the heavenly bodies will be burned up and dissolved, and the heaven and the works that are done in it will be exposed. Since, verse 11, since all these things are thus to be dissolved, what sort of people ought you to be in lives of holiness and godliness, waiting for and hastening the coming of the day of God, because of which the heavens will be set on fire and dissolved, and the heavenly bodies, <clears throat> excuse me, and the heavenly bodies will melt as they burn. But according to his promise, we are waiting for a new heavens and a new earth in which righteousness dwells. So God is patient toward us. Remember, God is patient. Reminder, the first set was a reminder to the mockers. This one is to us. Reminder, yeah, you, me and you, do not overlook this fact God's perspective is not like ours. God exists outside of time. I, I don't even know how to come up with an illustration to prove to do this. The only thing I think of maybe kids, when you say, how old are you? They say five, and they have no idea what five years means. You know, how long until Christmas? 25 minutes. They're like, they have no concept of time. But God exists as a creator of an entity outside of time. His perspective on the 200, 2017 Christmases that have come and gone is if that's a day. Imagine if God said, hey, just wait a minute then. Like we tell our kids. Maybe that's what he's doing. Jesus ascends into heaven and says, wait a minute, I'll be right back but he exists outside of time. Our perspective is on the 40-hour work week. How much time will we put in to return into overtime? When is the appointment next Tuesday? Our calendar is filled up in these increments and these schedules. They're 24 hours, and we hunt for the weekend. 
right? Rachel, I know you work really hard for them days off. How many of you work really hard to get them days off? I know. When I worked in the prison, I hit the gate just to make it to the weekend. God's perspective on time is outside of that. God is not delayed or currently being purposely slow to fulfill his promises. In the original, the way this is set up is that he endures the current circumstances to make sure everything works out. Enduring the current circumstances to make sure it all works out. Isn't that an amazing thought? With all the chaos that's going on in our world, it doesn't perplex God. And he's like, mm, what do I do with that one? Mm. But he's working all of these circumstances simultaneously to work it out. He's not being purposely slow to fulfill his promises. And reminder, you, me and you, our master redeemer is coming back when least expected. And when he returns during the end times, it will set off the last global catastrophe. Now, I really, really like the song Pastor Michael picked for this series. Come, Lord Jesus, come. Has all your fire insurance paid up? We'll delve into this more. But when Jesus comes... We have mixed emotions about it. But when he is returned, it will set off the last global catastrophic judgment. A judgment not just about eradication, but revealing the works, the scripture says, of what was being done. Anybody ever recycle copper? Tommy, you ever pick up copper? You picked up copper? Now, I worked with a bunch of guys that would recycle a bunch of copper. You get them big strands of copper from the line companies they throw away. What do you do to those big piles of copper for electricians to take it in to get your money? You got these big spools. You got all these pieces, parts of all these copper. And it's... And inside this copper, over the, the shroud, over the copper wires, you burn it off. They would set these big fires to burn all of that up. So what was left was just the copper. They got a ton more money by taking pure copper in to recycle than just that scrap. When Jesus returns, the burning will reveal the true intents. He will judge not just to eradicate, but to reveal which is true. The works that have been done. And he's going to remember, remember everyone is, he is going to return to make all things new. So live. Since everything will be destroyed and, or dissolved or broken apart, then what should we do now? That's some good news off of there. What should we, what's it mean for this afternoon? He addresses that. Live as people dedicated or set apart for what is eternal. Are you living in such a way that are you living for the weekend? Are you putting in the hours for the weekend? Or are you living now to be set apart, to be distinct for God for what is eternal? Because if we're working really hard to make a house payment, which we, a lot of us do, or rent, or mortgages, or car payments, kids' college, 
We just, the list goes on and on. Are those eternal? What is eternal? Church, what's eternal? What's in this room right now is eternal? The souls. Every one of you, lift your hand. This is the interactive part. That's eternal. People are eternal. Are you an ambassador for Jesus for people? Live as ambassadors and representatives for him for the eternal. Not only dedicated for the eternal, but you're representative of Jesus to declare that which is eternal. You work with people who are working just for the weekend, a case of Bud Light, and a night on the town. I mean, you work with people like that. I did a ton. What message do you have? Because that's a horrible cycle to get into, especially 30-something guys who are going to smoke all that money away for the week, on the weekend. You have an incredible message. Are you working just to pay the bills or just to make it to a party or it's all going to be smoked up? Or you got a great budget going on. you got a big cash cow in the bank and the one who dies with the most toys wins. I have seen that bumper sticker. I know a relative who has that bumper sticker. And I went up to him. I said, really? But that's what we think. That's what we're taught to believe. Are you an ambassador of the message of Jesus that are you working for the eternal? I want to have a relationship with people to communicate the eternal. And I'm looking forward to the future with mixed emotions. Do we want Jesus to come? We've sing this song. Yes, I want everything to be made new. This broken world, I want the new one. But what comes with it? Revelation, we're going to start after the Christmas series or our series in Revelation. Things don't go well. That's not a happy time. With mixed emotions, because you know when Jesus returns, there's going to be judgment. What about the neighbor, the relative, the friend that you've prayed for and shared Jesus with? You want Jesus back today to make all things new, but hold on a second, let this person come to know Jesus first. Right? So we, we live in this dichotomy. We live with these mixed emotions. Jesus, come back, make it all new. Wait a second, Aunt Martha doesn't know you yet. My coworker doesn't know you yet. Do you, do you feel that tension as you go into life? You're stuck between two worlds. What did Paul say? Okay, if I die, that's good, God. If not, I'm here for you, people. We look forward with mixed emotions. We live in the expectation of our master returning, making creation and people new. All creation moans. If you plant a garden, you know it's messed up. If you, when I moved to Florida, you walk out here in the yard after the rainy season, it grows like 13 feet a week. The vegetation takes over, and there's things in the wood that hurt, in the woods that hurt you, right? Robbie, you've been out there. It's nothing like up north, is it? They're big and they bite. This creation needs newness. We want that. And our king is making it new. And he's making people new. So let's finish up 
verses 14 through 18. 2 Peter chapter 3, verses 14 through 18. Therefore, beloved, since you are waiting for these, be diligent to be found by him without spot or blemish and at peace. And count the patience of our Lord as salvation, just as our beloved brother Paul also wrote to you according to the wisdom given to him, as he does in all his letters when he speaks in them of these matters. There are some things in them that are hard to understand, which the ignorant and the unstable twist to their own destruction, as do the other scriptures. You, therefore, beloved, knowing this beforehand, take care that you are not carried away with the error of lawless people and lose your own stability, but grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord, Savior, Jesus Christ. To him be the glory both now and to the day of eternity. Amen. It's a reminder. Grow for Jesus' sake and be at peace. Be at peace. And be zealous. Be fervent. Now, so when Jesus returns, he will find us without spot or blemish. How many, as we were growing up, parents gave us chores and then all of a sudden, as they were pulling in the driveway, we hopped to it and hurried up and got it done. Robbie? Mm-hmm. I wish I could tell stories of Deb, my wife, with her kids when she would pull in. And, but I, I didn't clear that with her before. But anyhow, you got these situations where you know you should have got it done. And here comes the boss. Here comes the parents. And we know that Jesus' return is imminent. So how therefore then should we act? Look at the beginning of this verse. What does it say? What word is there? Therefore. Why is the therefore therefore? Since you know he's coming, therefore, now. We look to the future, we look to the end, and what does it make a hill of beans different now? Be zealous. Be zealous. Be fervent. Be dedicated. That you may be found by the master redeemer without spot or blemish. Now, I want to camp here for a second. He says, be found by him without spot or blemish and, look at your text, and at peace. At this, prophecy produces peace. Look at that picture. How many of you this week, does that look like what happened to you? Where are you at in that? Prophecy produces peace. What do I mean by that? Since you know the end, are you at peace now? Now, you work hard to be without spot or blemish, but are you at peace? What does the, what in the world's peace mean? Well, what, what would you look in the text and see? You got mockers, scoffers, you got living out your faith, you have the income, and so he says, be at peace. It's like, anybody watch the football games yesterday? Am I the only one? Really? Okay, Ohio State won. And it was a nail-biter until I went to bed. I couldn't make it that late. And this morning I got up and I checked real quick. Yeah, Ohio State won yesterday. Had I known that, 
the game would have been like, whatever. Yeah, he threw an interception. He's going to win, right? Do you view your life situations because Jesus has got it, he's coming back, and he's your master redeemer, and he's going to make all things new? Or is it, oh, my gosh, what am I going to do for a job? Oh, my gosh. My neighbor doesn't like me. How many of us as Christians blow up Facebook when something bad comes along? We're like, oh, my gosh, oh, my gosh. We're the last peaceful people. Who should be the most at peace regardless of the circumstances that comes along? Us. Is it hard? Absolutely. I've been waiting since I was 16 when I heard about Jesus for him to come back and make it new. When my uncle led me to Jesus, I'm like, I'm ready to go. Why am I here? I'm like, really? Yes. So we're torn between these worlds of I want Jesus to come back and I want my neighbor to come and know him. And we're also torn with this, man, I got to pay the mortgage. I got to pay the rent. I got to get a J-O-B. I got to find a job. I got to graduate from school. I got to pass grades. Whatever your current dilemma is. But what makes you unique in the marketplace of discussions at the workplace and at school and at the job? Wherever you're hanging out, man, your life is horrible. You got this going on, that going on, and you illustrate the peace that passes understanding. Because you know that Jesus has returned. He's your maker. His character through Genesis to Revelation is, I've got you. I do discipline, but I got you and I love you. Does listening, implying, and interacting with God's word give you peace in your circumstance now with what's happening this week? And believe me, I know some of your stories. This is hard to apply. But somehow... God has us. He has not lost us nor forsaken us. He has still a perspective of you as a follower of him, and he still is the same God who spoke the world into creation and says, I love you. I got you. And at the end, I will tell my story for my glory. Be at peace. Prophecy that Jesus is coming produces peace. And look at verse 15. And count the patience of our Lord Jesus as salvation. Jesus' timing of coming back is salvation. That's what the text says. This made me scratch my head this week. Somebody walks up to you off the street and says, hey, I really want a relationship with Jesus. How do I have that? Would you turn to 2 Peter 3? And he said, yeah, he's patient with your hind end. What does that mean? How does this work out? Jesus is holding back the judgment. It is stored. His patience toward you, Tommy, as you, Joanne, as you, Todd, is for our salvation. It is the working out of his plan in our lives because he doesn't want to come back and find us with our faith inept, us sitting the bench with our faith. 
And Jesus' timing is patient salvation. He is patient for us to come to repentance as fellow followers of Jesus in our faith. And he's also offering this time for everybody else, our neighbors, our co-workers who have yet to come to know Jesus, as a patience for salvation. So there again, we're stuck. Jesus, hurry up and get your butt back here. Then on the other hand, man, he's being patient. He was patient with me. He's being patient with my neighbor. He's being patient with my kids. He's being patient and fill in the blank. His timing is patience. None of us should perish from inactive faith. Everyone reaches a point of repentance is what God is looking for. And Paul wrote about this. I love this part of the humor in the Bible, and I don't have time to go into it, but I love the fact that Peter says Paul's hard to understand. The book of Romans, First and Second Thessalonians, it specifically talks about this. He can be hard to understand. And get this, what do we learn in here, just as a little side note, that Peter calls it Scripture? So, our faith in applying God's Word is like a small child that can reach over and put their fingers in the top of the well, into which no adult could dive in and plunge the depths. But many people have twisted what Paul wrote their own ends, and they've twisted scripture about revelation and that to teach their own ends. But remember what you know. Let's go back to the beginning. Jesus' timing is patient for salvation. Jesus' timing is also patient for you to understand his word, to apply his word, to experience his word as you apply it and interact with people in the workplace and your community. This is a time for you, for Jesus being patient with us and me for individually coming to a relationship and growing with him better. But it's also a time in his patience for us to grow as Grace Church of Ocala. Corporately, after this Sunday worship, what does Monday when the alarm goes off look like for you? Because of your time with the local church. Therefore, knowing all of this, apply God's word during attacks. God is being patient toward us. And don't be deceived by false teachers, but grow in grace. Grow. It says grow. Since you know the end of the story, grow now. Grow in the grace that Jesus has given to you. Jesus has given us a ton in which we cannot comprehend the cost or the, or the extent. But we grow in that as we come to realize it and interact with him. Grow in that. And as we grow in grace with Jesus, then grow in grace as we interact with one another. That's hard. I like my Jesus time with me. I'm learning about him, and that's cool. But let me go out there and deal with a moron at work, and I'm supposed to show them grace? The mocker and the scoffer? Yeah. Grow in grace toward them. The people you don't like. And just take a second and think off the top of your head at school, in your community, your neighbors, who those are. Because God is being patient toward us. And he says, grow in grace. The obvious result of that is growing in grace toward others. Then grow 
and knowing and experiencing Jesus. Where does that happen together? You can't be the church by yourself. You can't play the church game all by yourself. Guys, I say this. I said it last weekend. I'll say it again this Sunday. You cannot do life on your own. You were not made to do life on your own. Grow together in Jesus Christ by coming together as a local church and men need men, ladies need ladies, Titus too. But this is where we come together to encourage, to rally behind, to celebrate the victories and also put the bandages on when we're wounded. A reminder, be at peace through all of this as we grow in Jesus. Because God is patient. His return, he's being patient. So grow peacefully. Grow while being peaceful until he comes back. Does your life define biblical peace this morning? Look back on last week. Would my neighbors, would my coworkers, would my friends be able to look at me and say, that's peace that I don't understand? Regardless of the circumstances, they illustrate peace. Give yourself a grade. How'd that look? Are you okay this morning with God's patience? Just an honest question. Sometimes it's hard. We want justice. We want God to fix it. We are tired of what's happening in the world. Are you okay with God's patience toward you and toward others as we grow in grace toward him and toward one another? Are you okay with it? Jesus will return. I'll do it one more time, and I need everybody to say amen. Ready? This is the last participation time. Ready? Jesus will return. Okay. Making all things new. Share that. 